0: for salvation but for day-to-day life i mean it's a salvation is a is a one-time thing but but whenever it comes to being a christian it's an everyday thing it's a day-to-day thing and that's something that a lot of folks don't realize that you know a lot of a lot of people think well you know we got the baptismal pool full and and we got people making professions of faith and that's great that's a great starting point but you know the, the bible tells us to finish well amen uh, I, I, I i know i realize i started off and god's going to see me through but whenever i enter in and he says well done thou good and faithful servant i got to be faithful for him to say that faithful part and i want to be faithful to the lord and everything that i do is going to be measured on this side of eternity whenever uh, we're at the the beam seed seat of christ uh, whenever whenever we're caught up the saints of god are caught up and we're at the beam of seat and we're judged for our works uh, that we are going to give an account for our works. Uh, there's going to be so many things that God's going to look at. And I, the less I have on my list, the better it's going to be for my inheritance in the millennial reign. It's going to be better for my inheritance on the other side. I mean, you do realize that we're going to reign in this millennium with with Christ. I mean, He's, he's going to give us riches uh, untold according to our works. So, yes, there is something to the works that we do. I mean, if if we got mansions over there, uh, you know, and people say, well, are we really going to have mansions? Well, the Bible says, I'll go to prepare a place for you, and he talks about, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So if it wasn't so, he would have told us. But we're going to have mansions, amen. And and somebody might have a mansion on a on a one-by-one one, uh, plot of dirt because, they're, they're, I mean, they just barely made heaven by the skin of their teeth. And I understand we all go to heaven the same way. But when I get over there, bless God, I want a back 40-acre, amen. And I want a log mansion, hallelujah, next to a river somewhere. You do how you want to do it, but that's what I'm trying to get, amen. And so uh, when it comes to the work it is it is not a part of salvation. But it is something that happens as an evidence of salvation. And therefore, God is going to reward us. We're going to have crowns. And I realize we're going to cast these crowns at his feet, but we're going to receive crowns. You make it into heaven, you receive a crown of life. That has nothing to do with my message. I'm just preaching. But you receive a crown of life. There's a, there's a crown for a pastor, for, for for stewarding a flock. There's different crowns that you will inherit on the other side. Amen. And so everything that we do right here right now matters so i want to preach a message entitled crucified christians we're going to be in the book of galatians chapter number two that's page number 12 in the old school field uh, reference edition of the bible galatians chapter number 12 we're going to be reading in verse number uh, 15 paul's writing to the galatians here and he says this he says we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Let me let me stop for a moment try to help you right here. What's going on right here in the book of Galatians? Paul is on his third missionary journey and he goes out to 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 Galatia Because that's near the church of Corinth, and if you know anything about the Corinthian church, it was like a terrible church. I mean, it was was wicked. It was a terrible church. And at this point, there's been barbarians that have come in, and they have started to infiltrate this church. Now, these barbarians had been around since about 300 years before Christ stepped on the scene. But but now they have infiltrated the church. And so you have these barbarians in the church. Also, there's an issue going on with those that are trying to leave Christianity and go back and practice Judaism, or they're going back and trying to practice the law, the, the Levitical laws. And so Paul is having to address something head on with the cultural differences and what he's really trying to explain is that you remember that Abrahamic covenant Jews well well that covered the law first off second off we have the holy spirit now the holy spirit has come with us and therefore therefore uh, there's no need for us to try to go back and practice the law and so he's having to hit twofold. He's he's hitting them hard with some doctrine here. He's letting them know you cannot go, you cannot A, bring corruption in the church, you barbarians, you, you pagans, you heathens. You can't do that. You can't practice paganism and practice Christianity. That's what you can't do. You can't mix with the world and come to the church. On the other side, he's saying all of you Jews that were Jews by nature, you were born into this. This is what you grew up knowing. Young young men, you grew up in the church. You read the Torah. You read the first five books of the Bible. It was great. You had all those rituals, those practices, those ceremonies. We understand. We understand the implications. But that law you no longer have to practice anymore because we have something greater. He is Christ. And so he's he's hitting two groups of people inside of one crowd. He, he's dealing with that and he gets into verse 16 and essentially what he's saying is it don't matter how good you act, it don't matter how much of that law you keep, it don't matter the ritual or the ceremonies that you try to do, you are justified through the Lord Jesus Christ. You are saved through Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. He's he's dealing with them and he's letting them know that your flesh cannot make you justified. You say, What's what does that mean justified? Well my country way of always saying it is justified never sin. When God looks at me, it is as if I'd never sinned. And the only way that I'm justified, the only way that justice is brought is is through Jesus' payment through the blood that was shed, and through His death, burial, and resurrection. Verse number 17, But if, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, so he, He's established, we can't be justified by works, we have to be justified by Christ, but if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? god forbid what he's doing here he's challenging these people he's challenging the church and what he's essentially saying is you say that you are a christian but yet you go out and you act like a sinner god forbid god forbids that that's very serious business and that's what he's trying to say. I mean, this is bold preaching, very straight, very plain preaching. He said, "God forbid." He says, "He says, is Christ the minister of sin? Did Christ save you just so you can go and play in sin?" No, God forbid. It's not a license. He doesn't say, "Go do what you want because now you're saved." God forbids it. That's what he says. And so then he goes on to say this. He he adds an illustration. He says. Uh, In verse 18, for if I build again again, the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What he's saying is, is, if I go back and try to live the life that I used to live before I got saved, I'm just like the lost man. And there may even be a possibility here that I never actually received salvation. Because salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It is not by grace plus works. Amen. It is by Christ and by Christ alone. That is it. And so then then he goes and he explains explains a little bit of what Christ has done for us. And now in in verse uh, number 20, he's going to explain what we should do for Christ. Verse 19 says, "...for I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God." For I, excuse me, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, he, 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 he really breaks it down there. He says that we're not, we should not go out and look like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world, think like the world, be like the world. But now we are crucified with Christ. So what he's trying to say is, whenever Jesus Christ was up on that cross and He stretched out His arms, it is as if we have put ourselves up on that cross with Him, and as they nailed His hands, they nailed our hands. And as they nailed his feet, they nailed our feet. And and, and as as to everything about his body was crucified to the cross, we should be crucified in Christ. Think about it, church. When he was crucified on the cross, he couldn't get off the cross. He's there to stay. Just like when we're crucified with Christ, we cannot leave Christ. We're there to stay. And so he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And it's because I'm crucified with Christ, I have salvation. But then he says this, it's, it's kind of a conundrum. Yet nevertheless, I, I live, yet not I. Well, it's not really me that's living. There's a spiritual man, there's a spirit man inside of me. Because the old man is dead, the spirit man is alive. It's not really me that's living, it's the spirit man. It's the the soul that Jesus bled for and died. The thing that's going to live on outside of this body. Outside of flesh and blood. My very soul is what's alive. And that is what's crucified with Christ. But yet this soul is in this body. But Christ liveth in me. I live in Christ. Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Him. Amen. He says, and the life which I now live. Now that I'm saved... He says, in the flesh, in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is because of salvation that, that I try to please the Lord. It is because of salvation, I want to live a life of holiness, separated unto God, pleasing unto the Lord. Not so everybody can say, look at Pastor Waters, look at him, he looks so different. I don't care what the world thinks about me. I want to please my Father because I realize what he did for me. And there's so many Christians that are not crucified with Christ. They are saved and they live any old way. You cannot tell the difference between them and a lost person in this world. And so I want to talk just for a a few minutes tonight. And I want to give you six quick things about being crucified with Christ. Uh, you realize that crucifixion means death. There are some things that should die in our lives. If we are crucified, we are dead to sin. That does not mean that we will not sin again. I had this conversation this past week helping a gentleman understand the Scriptures. Positionally... Positionally, in Christ, I am not a sinner because God does not see the sin in my life because it's covered by the blood. Practically, I'm a sinner because I'm still in this flesh. Amen. And, And this flesh is prone to wander. This flesh is prone to leave the God that I love. And so, positionally, I'm a saint practically I'm a sinner and this old flesh while it's here it's got to be crucified daily with Christ I've got to give it to Christ every single day every day that I get up it's another opportunity to serve the Lord but I cannot serve Him in my full capacity if I'm living in carnality and I'm pleasing my flesh because the flesh wants to rise up and there's always a war between the flesh and the spiritual there's always a war between sin and the Holy Ghost. There's always a war going on inside. It's like an old bulldog. Hey Amen. I love bulldogs. I'm a fan of pit bulldogs. I love them. But unfortunately, people will abuse these animals and they'll abuse the pit bulldogs. And, and it's like you have these two Pit bulldogs, you got one chained up over here. You got one chained up over here and they're barking at one another. They're wanting to devour one another. They're wanting to harm one another. Well, let's just use this illustration. I apologize if it's a little bit gory. It's the best I got. But this pit bulldog over here is the Holy Spirit and this pit bulldog over here is the flesh. And whichever one you feed the most is going to win in that fight. We're crucified with Christ. Christ. You cut them chains off, you let them wrestle it out, whichever one you fed the most is gonna win. And so we realize the only way to crucify the flesh is to mortify the flesh and consecrate ourselves to God. I wanna give you quick, uh, six quick things tonight. Firstly, a Christian's feet, a Christian's feet should be crucified. What do you mean by crucified feet? I mean, I mean we must t- take into consideration and be careful where our feet take us. We should not go to the places that we used to go when we were lost. There should be a difference. There's going to be some places people invite you to. You shouldn't go out to those places anymore. I got a phone call just the other week. Hey, you want to come and hang out with us in Charlotte, uh, Brother Josh? I haven't seen you in so long. I said, Well, who's going to be there? He said X Y Z A B C. He, I said okay, is it B-Y-O-B? He said, yes. I said, well, if I do come, it's going to be bring my own Bible. I said, I don't live like that no more. I ain't going. I ain't going there. There's just some places that, that I don't even park my vehicle. Amen. Anytime you ever see preacher waters outside the admit, believe, confess store, the ABC store, the liquor store, it's because I'm out there preaching the gospel and handing out gospel tracts, but I got enough sense not even to park in the parking lot. Amen there's just some places I don't go and there's some places you ought not go. Amen. I'm talking about the, the feet that, that you have as a crucified Christian. You should take some paths that are good paths. You should walk in the good way. Jeremiah 6.16 is one of my favorite verses where he says, thus say he says, thus saith the Lord. This is God talking. Stand ye in the way and seize and ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls but they say that lost crowd that uncrucified crowd they say we will not walk therein hey the old paths the good paths is the path that's the straight and narrow amen amen I mean it's it's like this you look right down the center line of this bible that's the straight and narrow that's how straight it is And, and, and the broad path is everything out that way it's the good way secondly tonight a Christian's hands should be crucified if our hands are crucified, we should be careful what we handle. I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen people, I've seen preachers put things in their hands that ought not be there. Uh, you couldn't tell them from the difference between them and a lost man. What's that even doing in your hand? Well, well you know, preacher, God hasn't convicted me on it. Well, God ain't got to convict you, sir. God ain't got to convict you, honey, because the Bible tells you plainly to be separate the bible tells you plainly to not even look like the world abstain from the appearance of evil we don't want to hear that preached no more but but there's some things that ought not even be in your hands sir there's some things that ought not be in your hands ma'am you should be careful when you handle things I'm talking about to to be a Christian, your hands ought to be crucified. There's so many times we can get on the computer or we can get on the, the access to the internet and, and we can look at things that we ought not look at. It's because our hands have traveled that far. Thirdly, tonight, a Christian's ear should be crucified if our ears are crucified we ought to be careful to the music and to the things which we listen to i mean i've had people ride with me in my truck and and what am i listening to brother justin i'm listening to the just jesus radio network amen i'm listening to to some old fashioned gospel music i'm listening to uplifting christ honoring music i'm listening to old fashioned holy ghost filled preaching and that's all they're going to get when they're in the truck with me And if we turn it off, I'll start singing and I'll start preaching. Amen. I'll listen to good godly podcasts. I'll listen to good godly influences. And and I'll listen to sources. Even our news sources uh, should be good news sources. I'll listen to teachers and preachers, and you ought to as well. Why? Because the voices around us, the voices around us can oftentimes tempt us. And we're influenced by what we put in our ears Amen. It all starts in your mind. It all starts in your mind and and it enters in through your earlobes. Then it comes out of your mouth. Amen. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Amen. Uh, Number four, tonight a Christian's eyes should be crucified. We should be careful what we look at. I mean, we're talking about so many things, so many things today that make an appeal to the eyes and through the eyes to the lower passions, such as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, but I hit on that not too long ago in the message Yea, hath God said, there's so many things that can filter through not just men's eyes, but women's eyes too and I'm not just talking so much directly about lust, I'm talking about envy, it's easy to look at what somebody else has and envy that, amen It's it's, 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 so, it's so easy to feel insecure about what you don't have amen i'm talking about if you want to be thankful in all things if you want to live a life of holiness and pleasing to god you got to be like the apostle paul where when you learn to be content what god has given to you but we live in such a consumer driven society that we want and we want and we get and we get and we crave and we crave and it's no wonder we cannot live a life of joy and satisfaction because we try to find it in everything else other than Jesus Christ and in Him alone. It's it's so easy to fall into temptation through the eyes. Fifthly, tonight, uh, a Christian's tongue should be crucified. Uh, The book of James says this in chapter number 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of the things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue. Hmm. can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Proverbs goes on to say in 1820, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You can make or you can break somebody with your tongue. I must confess tonight, I've broken a lot of people's spirits with my tongue. Not so much meaning to, but I've done that. But I also must confess tonight, I've also helped build up people With the tongue. I've helped inspire and empower. And employ a lot of people through the tongue. So beloved your tongue ought to be crucified with Christ. I'm learning. I'm learning as I grow and I get older. And I'm going to continue to learn this. That sometimes silence is golden. Amen. And I'm learning that that sometimes just because you know you're right. Don't mean you have to tell everybody. Amen. I'm learning. This is what your pastor wants to pray about tonight. This is me. This is my sin. The Bible said, confession is false. It's mine. I'm preaching to me. A Christian's tongue ought to be crucified. Amen. Oh, we talked earlier about lifting up the brethren. Loving the brethren, Brother Justin. Me and him have built a bond over the years because we have learned to love each other. And he's not a, I hate to pull you in brother, you in this now. He is not a yes man. He will tell me straight up how it is. He'll tell me what I'm doing wrong. And he does it because he loves me. Amen. He cares for me. Just like a a husband and their wife. I don't know about y'all. We don't feud. We don't we don't we don't throw nothing. She don't throw no 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 pots. We don't slam doors. What Miss Taylor does is she glares at me and and her shoulders uh, her shoulders turn, turn cold as ice. She gives me the cold shoulder and I start sweating. That's how we fight. Amen. It's not good when that happens cuz it's going to be very quickly I'm running her saying, "Baby, I am so sorry." I can I can't handle it, she knows it. But even even when spouses they fuss and they fight like cats and dogs, it's all through the tongue. Lastly tonight, a Christian's heart should be crucified. Is your heart crucified? Is your heart dead to evil? Is it dead to sin? Is your heart a throne upon which Christ lives on? I mean, I mean you do realize the whole the whole starting point of crucifying your body is through your heart. Hey man, goes right there. Let me explain. Because when you learn to fall in love with Jesus, it's going to be very easy to crucify your hands. It's going to be very easy to crucify your tongue, to crucify your eyes, to crucify your ears, to crucify your feet. Why? Because you're not living a Christian life out of religious duty or obligation. You are living a crucified Christian life because you love the one that first loved you. And you realize it's because he had compassion on me while I was yet a sinner. And God chose to save me, plucked me out of a devil's hell, set my feet on a solid rock, established my goings. He's the anchor of my soul. It is because of that I love him. I love him when I was unlovable and I'm still unlovable. But because there's that agape love, that unconditional love, no matter what I do, Christ will never abandon me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never leave me out to dry. He'll always be there. It's because of that I let Christ Have that throne in my heart. Where he can reign supremely. Where he deserves to be. To have preeminence in my life. And it is because. I have crucified my heart first. I'm able to hand over my hands. I'm able to hand over my feet. I'm able to hand over the rest of my body. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live. In the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Verse 21 says this. I do not frustrate. The grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Don't frustrate God's grace. Don't frustrate it, friend. God saved you for more than just sitting on a church pew. Amen. 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 God saved you so you can turn your heart completely towards Him. So you can crucify your heart. Hey, We all have our own individual races to run. I can't tell you how to run your race, but God will. The Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher of all, but I can promise you this. You crucify your heart, God will take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest of your body. I'm going to pray.